0: You can now subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% off every single time you get it sent straight to your door. You can pick the interval that you want and send straight to your door so you have to—you don't have to keep thinking about how much coffee you have left. Just subscribe, have it sent to you every two weeks or however long it takes you to get through a bag of coffee and get that delicious Strava Craft Coffee sent directly to your door for 20% off every single time. If you haven't had Strava Craft Coffee yet and you just want to try it, well, you can use the code DNVR20 now and get 20% off your first shipment. Or you can just come down to the DNVR bar, watch some sports today, and get yourself a on-tap Strava Craft Coffee CBD-infused cold brew that is uh, all the rage for everyone here that works at DNVR. There's a, those things are flowing like crazy up here in the office. So check out Strava Craft Coffee today. Broncos country, yeah.
1: In the curse from my life, the best part of the
0: weekend hugging a perfect stranger as they become
1: a friend, having a good time when the orange and blue W I N in
0: tune every day with the good folks in DNVR. D-N-V-R and welcome in to another edition of dnvr live dnvr broncos live or just the dnvr broncos podcast Depending on how you're hearing this appreciate everyone tuning in with us and a quick reminder to head over if you're watching on periscope and you're maybe having some troubles head over to youtube always a good connection over there and you can uh, subscribe to our youtube channel dnvr sports and you can of course throw us a thumbs up on this video which we'll really appreciate but another day in the books And Zach, I'll let you uh, do the honors here. Oh, you are muted. That's that's a tough scene.
2: My boy's muted. (laughs) I'm ready to kick off training camp day number five with you guys.
0: And quickly, before we get into all of the details of what went down at day five of training camp today, a shout out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom and we've got some people over here at dnvr who are taking some classes this summer there and uh really giving rave reviews of everything they're doing over at msudenver.edu online so you can check out all they have to offer at the website there that you see on the on the uh ticker msudenver.edu online all right mace Hit us with it. What do we need to know from today's training camp practice?
1: All right. Well, not full pads today. It was back in uh, shells. Admittedly, selfishly, because I'm only at one of every three of these practices, I was a bit disappointed. I wanted to see some full pads today. Didn't happen. So that
0: yeah, you got to
1: the intensity a little bit. Yeah. So they better have full pads on on Sunday. That's all I'm going to say. Otherwise, I'm going to be feeling like I got ripped off here a little bit. But it was also a day that they actually did some not game condition stuff, but they did do have a couple of move the ball periods. And uh, those are often illuminating. Uh, One thing that we, we saw, you know, Jeff Driscoll, actually the first, he's been inconsistent. The first time he was in move the ball today, actually got the offense downfield, got them to the 15 yard line uh, in defensive territory. But then, and this is just sort of the Jeff Driscoll story so far. An ill advised throw into heavy traffic that he put too much on. It was a short pass, a little bit of a slant to KJ Hamler. And the ball, you know, the, the ball's got a lot of mustard on it. KJ can't handle it. It bounces. You got Duke Dawson with the deflection. It bounces It bounces up. It bounced off Draymond Jones. Eventually, Josie Jewell with the pick. But it's the kind of the moral of the story is Jeff Driscoll. You can't throw it in traffic like that. For the receivers overall, it was a rough start, but it got better. You had some drops early. Jake Butt, uh, who was working with the first team quite a bit today because Nick Vinette is in concussion protocol, and Noah Fant was ill, as Vic Fangio pointed out, not COVID. So Jake Butt saw some first-team run. So did Troy Fumigali. And of those two, and, and Albert O even got some first-team snaps as well, but of those two, Button Fumigali but dropped his potential touchdown pass. Fumagalli in a red zone period with a really nice grab where he reached up, kind of plucked it out of the sky. Isaac Yadam was in coverage, but he kind of just jumped, jumped over him, kind of anticipated where the ball was going to be. Nice play for Fumagalli. So Fumagalli is going to be one of those guys who, who stood out today. But another guy who had a big day was Cortland Sutton. And mm. he had an early drop. But boy, oh boy, did he bounce back. And he bounced back at the expense of Bryce Callahan for two long plays that probably would have been touchdowns in game conditions. One to the right side, one to the left side. Predictably, both from Drew Locke because Drew and Cortland have this synergy going right now that's really going to pay dividends when you get to the regular season. But a couple of things. First of all, Cortland Sutton deep. Always worth taking a chance. Your rule, Ryan, of throwing it up to Cortland Sutton when you cross the 50-yard line makes sense here. But the other thing is this. Bryce Callahan, not a match for Cortland Sutton, struggling when he goes against bigger receivers. Uh, it's They're counting on Bryce Callahan to be uh, one of the top two corners, which means he's going to play outside in base. But he struggled in that role today, whereas later on in practice, when Cortland went against A.J. Boye in a red zone period, Boye got a pass defense to prevent a touchdown. So worth noting that as well.
2: How much of a concern is that, Mace, with, uh, with, with Bryce getting beat by the bigger receivers? Is that something that you're really going to have to monitor throughout the season and make sure that he's not on those big guys?
1: A little bit. And the thing is, sometimes teams are going to try to set up that match against you. I think part of it is also Bryce Callahan, as good as he was in Chicago, what types of receivers was he facing when he was working as a slot corner? Typically smaller guys, guys who are, you know, about 5'10, 5'11, 180 to 190. When you're in that position, you are rarely seeing that six foot two, 210 to 220 pound receiver that, it, that, can give you trouble and it, and Cortland gave Bryce Callahan a lot of trouble today. So if this is something that persists and don't, and look, Bryce has made some plays in practice. I mean, on, on Friday, for example, when Cortland slipped, he made a break on the ball and got an interception. So it's not like Bryce Callahan is getting beat time and time again, but when he's giving up those deep plays, uh, that's something that you're going to be a little concerned about. And, and, If he struggles with that in the regular season, you may get to a point where you say, okay, Bryce Callahan's going to play sub-package, and he's going to play in the slot, but maybe you have to have somebody else on the outside. That's just something the Broncos may have to look at if today is the start of a trend.
2: Well, Mesa, when you were talking about those 5'11", 195 guys, you were saying they're small. Man, all I was thinking was those are some big boys. (laughs) That's a big boy. (laughs) It's all Uh,
1: relative, Zach. It's all relative. (laughs) Hey, I want Bryce Callahan against Hunter Renfro, and Hunter Renfro ate the Broncos' lunch in Week 17 last year, but I want Bryce Callahan out there against Hunter Renfro. But I don't think the matchup would be as good if he got forced into coverage against, say, Darren Waller, who ate Isaac Adams' lunch two times last year.
0: Uh, Mace, I just have one question for you. When uh, Cortland Sutton was beating uh, Bryce Callahan, (laughs) would you say Bryce Callahan said this? Screw this.
1: Screw this. Screw
0: this. Oh, maybe
1: after a while. There was a little bit of chirping, uh, not from Uh, Cortland Sutton, but from other guys on the offensive side as well after – after one of those deep catches. So it's it's, it's getting a little testy out there. Uh, we haven't had a, a, we have not had a fight yet. However, there was a brief exchange of pleasantries between Natani Muti and Josie Jewell after a play late in practice. So, you know, you're getting, getting some chirping, you're getting some uh, yelling after the play a little bit. We're not at the fight point yet, but I do think, as, pa- as we have more padded practices, temp- tempers are going to start boiling over here with the heat and just the old cliche about guys getting tired of hitting against each other. Unfortunately, no other option until week one.
0: First of all, uh, give me an Tani Muti in that one. Yeah, Josie uh,
2: <laughs> Josie being the vet should back down. <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, And second of all, You know, I think it's really illuminating what you're saying about Bryce and Cortland. Now, this is just one practice, not like Cortland's just been wiping the floor with him every day. Right. But it's interesting to me because last season, I was so impressed about the job that Bryce Callahan was doing on Cortland Sutton in practice early on in training camp before he got hurt. And I think it illuminates what can happen when you miss a year's time. As Bryce Callahan was rehabbing, Cortland Sutton was just getting better and better and better. better and all of a sudden now Cortland might actually have the advantage in that matchup whereas i think last season in the early goings of training camp it was actually uh bryce who had the advantage in that matchup it's just an interesting thing that maybe you you know you wouldn't think about if you didn't see those guys go to go up against each other in training camp every day
1: yeah rust matters and literally with bryce callahan he's got about a week and a half work of worth of work over the year and a half since he had that injury in Chicago until training camp started this year. So he's got to knock the rust off a little bit. Now, the fact that he knows this scheme well, having played in it for four years under Vic Fangio in Chicago, it gives him an advantage. I think he can pick it up, but sometimes the timing just takes a little bit longer to get back. And Cortland Sutton, he's better than he was at this time last year. He's got... In late season, in his back pocket, a Pro Bowl in his back pocket. So I think it's the combination of two things: Bryce Callahan getting back to 100, knocking the rust off, but also Cortland Sutton is better than he was last year and uh, at this time. And he, as we say, he's a legit wide receiver one. And he's playing like it out here, and I and I love the fact that he had the drop early today and he put it behind him, and he made big plays throughout the rest of the practice. You always want to see a guy who can overcome a mistake quickly, put it out of his mind. That's part of the mental maturity that Cortland Sutton has now in year three. It's really good to see that.
2: Well, and Mace, I saw that exact same thing on Sunday as well. I think Corton actually dropped his first three passes. Mm-hmm. Devontae Harris got his hands on two of them. And then Sutton actually ended the day as my offensive player of the day <laughs> because he bounced back. And And you need that from Corton. He's young, but on this offense, he's not young. He's yeah. a vet. So I love hearing that for a second, uh, a second day this week that he had that. And guys, in this conversation, uh, while it may be a little scary, that, that Bryce can't handle the big guys, there is a positive from this. A.J. Boyer may rather say that he would rather cover Cortland Sutton than Jerry Judy. Bryce Callahan, I bet he would say he would rather cover uh, Jerry Judy than Cortland Sutton. So if you're able to just get those matchups and make sure that Vic's able to put his corners in positions where they're going against certain guys, well, Cortland Sutton's the number one receiver. If, if Boyer can go against him, well... There, you're good. If you get a, a smaller, shiftier, better route runner type receiver, Bryce Callahan's the guy to probably take him on. So um, it, it can be a little scary at first, but if Vic's able to work those matchups well, it could actually be an advantage.
1: I think Mace, that, that's a great point.
0: Mace, we got a question coming in here from Living Patty's Life. They asked, how did uh, Cushionberry look running with the ones
1: he held his own when I was zoomed in on him with my binoculars there were a couple of times that I noticed that he was able to he was able to uh, go against Mike Purcell and get him out of the flow of the play and set up a couple of runs so Cushenberry it didn't look to me when I watched him it didn't look too big for him And, and that was a positive sign they were rotating him with Austin Schlotman on the first team at center today but what I'm looking for from Cushionberry is just is stability, uh, making sure that his head is not spinning around that he doesn't, that he doesn't know where to go, making sure that, that he just looks like he's comfortable in there, able to handle what's thrown at him. And, uh, uh I, I was impressed with his ability. Now there was there was one moment I'd have to I have to go back and, ch- and check my notes a little bit. There were a couple of times where you had some free rushers uh, coming up the middle, but it looked like Cushingberry or Schlotman when those rushers were coming free on the blitz uh, were engaged elsewhere. So maybe they got to be a little bit more aware. But on the whole, not a bad day for Roy Cushingberry. I thought
2: that is absolutely huge to hear. Because of course, Mike Purcell, the very first play yesterday going against Slotman, Purcell just ran right by him. So to hear that uh, Cushenberry was having his own or, or doing well against Purcell is huge because after practice, Vic Fangio said one of the biggest things about center, especially for these young guys, is being able to make all the checks at the line. And he said, But the thing Cushenberry has going for him is he's smart and he excels at that. So he's got the pre-snap stuff down according to Vic Fangio. And if he's taking care of business on the field, I need to see him as the first team center tomorrow, Friday, Sunday. And I understand they're probably not just going to give him the job right now, but I need to see him at taking at least some snaps with the first team every single day from now on.
1: I completely agree. He's the future. And you know, Again, in the press conferences after practice, alluding to the limited number of practices before you have to go into game prep. Vic Fangio pointed that out. So, to me, it's, it's essential. If you see enough from Lloyd Cushionberry to where you feel comfortable, and you're going to live with some bumps over the course of the regular season, inevitable for a rookie. Even Dalton Reisner had some struggles last year. You, that's just something you accept, even from guys who are on an upward trajectory in general. But if, you, if you're Mike Munchak, Chris Cooper, Pat Shermer, Vic Fangio, and you can see the positives with Lloyd Cushenberry, you've probably got to get him out there getting more reps now because it's not a question of if Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be this team's starting center, it's when. Is it sometime this season? Is it even next season? But if it looks like it's going to be sometime this season, just go ahead, make the commitment
2: now.
0: I think uh, another thing that's a matter of if, not when, or uh, when, not if, is DeMar Dotson. What's our uh, DeMar Dotson update today? Still
1: uh, still working down the depth chart. Still working with the threes. You had Jake Rogers and Elijah Wilkinson both getting reps with the ones today. And uh, mostly Elijah Wilkinson and, and Jake Rogers. When he went out against Vaughn Miller, it was what you'd expect. Mm. Not good.
0: Not good. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh can only imagine that wasn't a good and speaking of that, you know, yesterday Zach talked so much about the pass rush uh really putting pressure on on the offense. how did they did they respond well today in terms of stopping uh stopping the pass rush?
1: Responded well, of course. They didn't have to see Bradley Chubb today. Now that being said, you had some moments for Malik Reed. Both Malik Reed and Jerry Atakshu saw some first team reps, but Malik Reed was flashing. And and they would they were using him on both the right and left side. and They moved Von Miller around as well, so Von Miller had some snaps against Garrett Garrett Bowles working as right outside linebacker. But Malik Reed had a few pressures. But the thing that I liked best about him today, guys, when he was out there, he did a great job setting the edge. And there was one play where he just he kind of he, he was defending the run, and Philip Lindsay was coming at him, going to the left side, and basically. He took advantage of Bowles lunging and got Bowles out of position and then whipped around and closed the hole, and Phil had nowhere to go. A really savvy play by Malik Reed against the run. He looked, he looked impressive out there today.
2: And yesterday he was getting some pressure off yep. on Drew Locke as well. So that that's great because we talked about the depth there, maybe not being very good. Well, if Malik Reed steps up, that would be absolutely huge. Maybe the the Shaq Barrett type of role and type of player, which which would just be huge. Mace, I gotta get a Jerry Judy update today. Of course, Cortland Sutton brought the heat. Did Jerry Judy do anything that that stood out either way to you today? Uh it was a quiet day for Jerry
1: Judy. He had and he was going up against the ones a little bit more today, but like, for example, uh, he had a play in a, and I believe it was a red zone period. I'm actually just going to go back through my notes here really quick. Cause I want to get that. I want to get the details r- right on it, but Judy was running a crossing route and what happened and, and what happened was that you had Kareem Jackson there, step for step and Judy caught the ball, but Kareem Jackson made sure that it got, that it went no further. It was actually part of, it was a third and goal play from the five yard line. So drew drew Locke had gone back to throw. It was in a seven on seven period. And Kareem did a good, did a good job kind of reading Judy's route, making sure it was covered. And this is the sort of thing that you're going to have when you're in the red zone, you've got extra traffic you're gonna ha- you're you're gonna have to be able to make plays with guys bearing down on you. So uh, a little bit of a teachable moment, but also a great play by Kareem Jackson uh, to make sure that it didn't happen. But aside from that, like there was one play where Drew Locke targeted Jerry Judy, and this isn't on Jerry Judy. Uh, Drew Locke. He's rolling to his left and he tries the cross body, you know, cross his body throw. Going, he's moving one direction; he throws the other. Not a lot on it, an easy, an easy pass defense for the defense, an incompletion. That's not on Jerry Judy. That's on Drew Locke, just trying sometimes trying to do a little bit too much. So really, a quiet day for Jerry Judy. But again, he started. He's going up against the first corners, and uh, he went up against AJ Boye at times, and Boye kept him in check. So. The, uh, the learning is ongoing for Jerry Judy. Not every day is going to be spectacular.
0: And then I think the last uh, requisite update we need is how did the running backs look today? It,
1: it was kind of, it was a quiet day. They did emphasize the run early, and both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay had, had some nice runs. Uh, they weren't as active in the passing game as they have been over the last few days of practice. Maybe that's something that they'll uh, work on a little bit more but at the same time you know there were there were moments where uh, the holes just they just weren't there and I, I allude to Malik Reed making that play against the run setting the eggs really well and saw a lot of good work from the defensive line against the run Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay at times didn't have many plays didn't have many places to go uh I, I really the, the run that jumps out to me though It was early. It was probably the best running play. And it was actually the third play of the first team period. And, and what happened, they actually opened with twos versus twos. So Philip Lindsay was out there with the twos and, had a real nice job of getting the le- getting the left side sealed. And Philip Lindsay was often running for a game that would have been at least 10 yards in game conditions that, that, that looked really good. And also I I know I, they weren't as involved as much in the passing game, but one of the few bright spots in the red zone period uh, for the Broncos offense for the Broncos first team offense was Melvin Gordon with a little catch and run. And if he had laid out at the pylon, I think he would have scored it worked out to where he was stopped at about the two yard line but i think in a game melvin Gordon is going to lay out try to get to the pylon get the score so good play for him
0: speaking of the running backs did you see curtis modkin saying they don't think they just have a one two punch they think they have a one two three punch with royce freeman okay well here's the thing to as you would say rk i would
1: if it's a one, two, three punch, why am I not seeing Royce Freeman out there with the ones at all?
2: Yeah, that's exactly because what I thought. Mace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I saw that, I thought, boy, why aren't you showing that? Is Royce Freeman going to be the secret weapon on offense that they don't even want the the small local uh, media contingent to see?
0: maybe i think it's a gotta be a confidence thing just trying to keep his confidence up trying to get the best out of him he is a talented player we know that um he's he's just hasn't been able to quite find it yet at the nfl level and so maybe they're you know they're just trying to squeeze it out of him a little bit more build up Mm -hmm. his confidence a little bit and allow him to to hopefully reach his potential which i feel like he hasn't yet hit
1: Yeah, he caught some passes on checkdowns today, Royce Freeman did, but not really very spectacular. That being said, even though Levante Bellamy has had some flashes, I think Royce Freeman makes this team because he's a security blanket. He's somebody who's played extensively. If something happens to Philip Lindsay, or Melvin Gordon, at least you know with Royce Freeman, he can go out there and make a professional acquittal of himself. You'd like to see him be more spectacular than he has been over the last couple of years, but he's not going to melt down if you put him out there. And I think that's why Royce Freeman sticks. But really, there's a big gap between the top two backs and Royce Freeman. And so I I, I hear Curtis Mockins, and I think you might be onto something where you're saying you're trying to help Royce Freeman's confidence. But if they really felt it was one, two, three punch, then wouldn't you give Royce Freeman some looks taking the handoffs from Drew Locke? That's all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, uh, that's something that I've noticed this camp is Levante Bellamy getting a lot more run, Uh, Mm -hmm. not with the ones, but just making a lot more plays than Royce. And it reminds me of Phil when we talked to Phil last year, maybe week 12 and someone asked him about, you know, the one, two punch with you and Royce. And he said, whoa, guys, don't forget about Devontae Booker. We got this one, two, three with Booker as well. And it was like, oh, well, the, the only reason that I've, you know, we don't think of Devontae Booker is because he's not playing. <laughs> kind of same with Royce.
1: <laughs> now what's interesting, I, I see a comment coming in uh, from someone who identifies himself as some person. I love that. It says, I like Royce, I really do, but he might have proven the point that you can run a guy too much in college. And you know what? That's why he dropped to round three, was concerns about the workload. And you think back of the Broncos' recent draft rookie acquisition history for running backs, two guys who didn't work out as day two picks were Monte Ball and Royce Freeman is trending in that direction. What do they have in common, gentlemen? Heavy workload at Wisconsin and Oregon, respectively.
0: That's a good point. It's a good point. I just, to me, you know, it, it all started with that high ankle sprain and and I don't know if that just derailed him, but you know, he's, he got mm-hmm. off to such a good start as the first few weeks of his rookie season. And he got that high ankle sprain. He came back that season. He wasn't the same then. Yeah. And it just, he's never really felt explosive since then to me.
1: Yeah. It's been kind of hard to watch. I mean, I, I hope he does well. Hope he can get it going, but clearly he looks to be well behind the top two. That said, I think we should probably start doing a fifty-three man projection here. Maybe that's what we do on Saturday on the off day. I'll, I'll write a fifty-three man projection. I've got Roy still on my fifty-three.
0: Yeah, I can. I mean, if, if I know anything about NFL coaches, it's that you know they they get, they fall in love with things like uh, like what you were saying earlier. Oh, it, you know, he's not going to fall all over himself. It's like these guys shouldn't be here in the first place. If you think they're going to fall all over themselves when they get out there, for me, I I, I would look be looking for a young explosive guy like Levante Bellamy, but you know, what can you do? Uh, any last notes and things that we need to touch on here, Mace? Yeah. You know what? It's under the radar
1: because he's the number three quarterback. Brett ripping just looks a lot smoother than Jeff Driscoll out there. And yeah. it doesn't seem imminent, but I'd like to see Brett ripping, get a few second team looks from time to time especially without game reps this summer, he, he's, he's solid. I think I, what I see from Brett Rippon is somebody who looks unruffled. Whereas Jeff Driscoll, for example, you can kind of sense, you can kind of sense the gears trying to mesh in his mind as he, as he's working through things. Jeff Driscoll had a couple of plays in seven on seven guys where he didn't get the pass off. And one of the things about seven on seven is that it's, the drill exists for a lot of reasons, but one of them is for the quarterback. You want them to throw the ball because it's about making a decision for which play has either the least risk or the, you know, if, if guys are covered, which is, which is the play that still has the best chance of working out. You want him, you want him to decide, you want him to make a commitment. And so I recall with Paxton Lynch a few years ago, when I see a quarterback in seven on seven, not throw, it sets off the alarm bells in my head, guys.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I prefer the Paxton approach of just taking off and running as opposed to just holding the ball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the whistle blew twice in three snaps in in seven on seven for Jeff Driscoll. And that's a sound no quarterback wants to hear. A bad, bad bad sound. It Uh, sounds
2: like sacks.
0: Mace, people are chomping at the bit in the comment section. They need to know, how is the long snapper competition <laughs> looking?
1: Okay, well, I'm going to tell you guys this. We, If you want one-on-one interviews at camp, you in past camps, you just go up to the guy and ask him coming off the field for practice. Now you have to go through the team. Two of the guys that I have requested for one-on-one interviews because I want to get to the bottom of this long snapper competition Requested both Wes Farnsworth and Jacob
0: Bob. Oh boy. I I can't wait for that one.
1: Hey, you know what? We pride ourselves on thorough coverage here, gentlemen. Amen. And what I want to do, I got to go through the rosters around the league. How many teams have two long snappers? Frankly, guys, with only 80 players in camp, I'm shocked the Broncos decided to come in and have that long snapper competition anyway with the roster truncated as it were. But. You know, yeah. hey, So I uh, want to get to the bottom of this. I want to find out what a long snapper competition is like. Well, as
0: uh, we know,
2: Casey Crider just wasn't getting it done.
0: Yeah. Nope. Yeah. What part he wasn't of getting in the du- getting it done in the not getting paid very much money category? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, you know, what part of Pro or don't you want on your team? You know,
0: <laughs> uh, the oh, three million dollar part.
1: <laughs> well, no, he's at one. He's at one million dollars for the uh, Giants. Okay. He's a little, little over one. And uh, I wish we had the clip of uh, Tom McMahon's answer when he was asked about the long snapper competition and the fact that Casey Kreider wasn't around because
2: that was a guy who basically pleaded the fifth on that one. Oh, wait, Mace, I do think we have the clip. I think it's, screw this. (laughs) Screw this.
1: Screw this. Screw this. Oh, (laughs) my goodness gracious. You guys, you're too much.
0: That that one lives on forever. (laughs) That one, uh, I'm so happy that happened um all right mace uh i think that's a that's a good actually that's a fantastic recap of practice no one is more thorough than you in your uh, in your practice notes and uh we really appreciate that so uh for those of you who are watching live we thank you for tuning in for those of you who are going to head over to the podcast forum with us uh stay tuned all right shout out to everyone who's still with us here on the podcast forum of today's show and uh before we go too much further, a big shout out to Brackenridge Brewery. You know, you come down here to the DNVR bar, you got to do two things. You got to get yourself an RK special and you got to get yourself a picture in front of the Instagram wall, maybe holding the RK special. I did that yesterday. And, uh, and it, you know, that's if you didn't come here, order an RK special and post a picture on the Insta wall, did you really come at all? That's what I always say, Zach. So come on down, enjoy yourself at Brackenridge Brew, or just go to your local liquor store and get yourself some damn good beers. Ryan, I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to say you got to get yourself an
2: RK special and then get yourself a picture holding RK. I thought you are going to be available <laughs> for photos uh, all, all weekend. If you buy an RK special, you get a picture of holding Ryan as well.
0: You get a picture of me. You're holding me, and I'm pouring – the RK special into your
2: mouth. (laughs) Oh, that sounds fantastic. And something else that we know is fantastic is basketball playoffs are here. Ryan, you got the black Jamal Jersey on right now and man, nuggets playoffs are in the air and there's one place to get in all the action in his DraftKings book, and to celebrate the first round of basketball playoffs being here, DraftKings is offering you an amazing bet offer. For every bet of at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings will give you a $10 free bet That's all you have to do is bet on a game in the first round and you get a $10 free bet. So head to the app right now, DraftKings Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app. And, of course, they have hockey playoffs. They've got everything you need to help it make it rain all week long. DraftKings is secure and reliable, and you can withdraw your funds at your convenience. So go and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get that $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when you place a bet of $20 on all first-round action. Again, use that promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprise of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
0: And Zach, I believe it is that time for the DraftKings pick of the week. And I got to be honest, when I saw this line this morning, I was completely befuddled. I was uh, what's that word you always say? Um, oh God! <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's
2: a it's a non-word, right?
0: Yeah, it's like a mix of befuddled and frazzled or <laughs> <Befazzled>? frazzled.
2: <laughs> yes, I think that's it.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's it, but it is now. Um, I, you know, the Rockies have not uh, had a positive offensive performance uh, since I believe um, Grover Cleveland was in office <laughs> and I look down at the over under in today's game and it's set at 12 and a half. Now this is not being, you know, this is, this is crazy to me because that, that offense has been ice cold of late and you go out to Houston. Yesterday, the, the over-under set at 9. I said before that game on DNVR Bets Daily, uh, there might be two runs scored in this game. And if the game had ended in regulation, it would have been a grand total of zero runs scored in the game. They had to get the free runner on second base. They finally ended up scoring three runs in the game. Anyways, the, the over-under was triple that yesterday. Well, now it's quadruple that today, 12.5. So give me the under... In that one, uh, both just just really struggling offenses right now. And I, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Rockies score 12 runs themselves. But until they get heated back up, I'm going to keep taking the under in these games.
2: Well, I love that bet, Ryan. It's crazy that they scored two runs yesterday in the game, and now it's uh, 10 more than that, 10 and a half more than that. So that is just wild. Uh, love that bet right there. And Ryan, when I was going on DraftKings Sportsbook this morning, something came across my eye that I could not pass up. And it's Vaughn Miller's odds to win defensive player of the year. What he's been doing the past week has, it's got me. I'm not going to lie. Now, I don't think that this is a winning bet, but I like the odds. I like the odds enough to place a couple bucks on it. Got Vaughn Miller at 2000 uh, I guess technically plus 200 to win defensive player of the year or no, I guess it's plus 20 or 20 to one odds. There we go.
0: (laughs) I knew you'd figure it out eventually
2: (laughs) to win defensive player of the year. And if he plays this way against all these tackles this year, the way he's been dominating Elijah Wilkinson, he certainly will win defensive player of the year. I'm buying into the hype a little bit and he's never won defensive player of the year. But Ryan, if he does this time, then it'll put my argument that the Broncos should have gotten uh, gotten rid of him after that. It'll put it to bed because he 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 needs to win that. And uh, man, if he does that, bring you home nice twenty to one odds.
0: Yeah, Zach, I gotta be honest. Uh I don't I would I don't know if I would bet on Vaughn to be the defensive player of the year for the Broncos. Oh, ho, ho. who Chubb? Well, I think Chubb would be the favorite for me. Uh and then I think um Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons would have something to say about it as well.
2: You know what? Chubb may have been You know what? Why don't you just go in with both of them? Throw 10 bucks on, on Vaughn to win defensive player of the year. That'll that'll pay you 200 and put 10 bucks or however much on Bradley or on Chubb to win defensive player of the year. 40 to 1 odds, Ryan. So you got to like those odds better because you're getting double the odds and you think he just may straight up be better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if better is necessarily the right term, but more productive, I think, uh, he could be this year. So, uh, But either way, you'll take 20-1 to one or 40-1. to one. If either of those hits, you'll be a happy, happy man. Okay, let's hop into these questions. The question, the comment section, uh, Zach, is starting to heat up once again as we move into training camp, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. Uh, but – that means we got to get working on these. So the first one here comes in from Ethan Rozier. Hey, guys. With all these quote-unquote quote, quote unquote sack we've been getting in practice and the lack of offense that's been happening in the last four practices, is it time to the, throw the red flag and panic on what this offense could be? I know our front is poised to be great, so hopefully it's just because our defense is going to rock out this season. Much love, Ethan.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're, you're panicking like crazy, um, but – if the offense is going to be slowed down, Ryan, I don't think it's because of Drew Locke. I don't think it's because of the youth. I think it's because of the tackles and what we've seen so far in camp, specifically right tackle.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm worried, uh, but I wouldn't say it's time to push the panic button. Uh, we still haven't seen this offensive line in its final form, which I believe is Bowles, Reisner, Cushenberry, Glasgow, Dotson. We have yet to see that combination. I wanna see that combination start to work together. Maybe it's the beginning of next week, whenever it is, I wanna see those guys get together. And then I wanna see them start throwing pressure again. And once those guys start to build chemistry, I think they're gonna do a little bit better job handling the pressure. Uh, but it is that's the one thing that can derail this offense, and it's definitely worth being worried about. Yep, exactly.
2: Low Country Broncos says, What's up, boys? I noticed yesterday during Boye's press conference that when asked about his matchup against the Broncos receivers, he had good things to say about Judy and Hamler, but didn't mention Cortland Sutton. I took this as shade. Did anyone else notice?
0: Well, as we've been seeing, it's been he hasn't faced Cortland all that much.
2: Yeah, and I'm I can't I didn't really take it as shade at all. Um, maybe because he was expecting
0: Cortland to be a good player, so Judy and
2: Hamler have surprised
0: him. Yeah, definitely not shade. I I would not worry about that from a shade perspective. Just the way Cortland's been playing,
2: too, I don't think it can be shade. He goes on and says, also, how do Glasgow's comments about the defensive front, even depth guys like Ajim, in response to Mace's question in his press conference, change your outlook on the defensive line, if at all? Based on what I'm hearing, seems like we should be better against the run this season. As always, stay safe, and thanks so much for the great content, LCB.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, we, we haven't talked about uh, McTelvin and Jean at all. Um, and if he becomes a guy who can, you know, rotate in there and make plays for this defense, I think that's a big development. Um, so obviously you've got Casey, you've got Draymond Jones, you've got Shelby Harris, Uh, you'd like to have a couple other guys who are playmakers in there. And if Ajim's one of them, that's huge.
2: Yeah, it doesn't change my perspective on this defensive line because I thought this defensive line was going to be very, very good anyway. So uh, high expectations for them, whether the the depth really comes through or not.
0: From Sally, hello, gentlemen. First, allow me to please say thank you for all of your hard work, not only with this pod but with everything DNVR has been doing since late March. It's truly appreciated and not unnoticed. Well, thank you so much. I write today because on yesterday's podcast, during the question portion, Andrew mentioned how great it would be if the Nuggets won their series with the Jazz, and then next season, fans of the Memphis Center would belt out an eight count whenever Donovan Mitchell brought the ball up court, which I just absolutely love. He says, that reminded me about the Alabama LSU National Championship game back in 2012. Alabama won, and their defense was so dominant that LSU didn't cross midfield once. Later that year when the school's basketball teams met up at Tuscaloosa, the Bama Bama Faithful all cheered when the LSU basketball team brought the ball across midcourt for the first time in that game. Have a great day, that is savage.
2: <laughs> it's so savage and that would be awesome for the Nuggets to do that and man, let's hope for that 20 lead after today, Ryan.
0: Yeah, let's get it. All right, next one's from the count. In general, what positional battles are the hardest to predict and measure during regular Non-COVID training camps. Love the count. Uh, Maybe long snapper?
2: That's why we need Mace's in-depth report on that.
0: For me, it's absolutely offensive line battles. Um, You know, what people don't realize and what makes this training camp extra difficult is it's really hard to key in on, uh, on a certain position for very long. Um, you know, you, what, what happened, what's that, what ends up happening is let's say there's a left tackle competition. You'll key in on left tackle on a few plays. Um, and then beyond that, you'll either notice something really good or really bad. And you often miss, if you're not keying in on that play, what happens, you know, on the other 60% of the snaps. Uh, and it beca- and it can become really difficult to follow. Um, you know, what was great when we were all out there, Zach, is you and I did, uh, one person did the observations, the other one did this the uh, battle spotlight. And then you got to key in for every play. But right now, we, you know we're getting one practice every three days, uh, and we got to write the observations. So we got to keep an eye on just about everything makes it really hard, and offensive line is always the hardest to key in on, for me at least. And I'll
2: go even more specific. I'll go interior offensive line because with tackles, you can kind of see if Elijah Wilkinson absolutely got smoked by Vaughn. But on the inside, was Lloyd Cushenberry supposed to get the blitzer? Kind of like Mace was saying today. It was hard to tell whose responsibility that was, so I totally agree.
0: From Love Thunder Down Under, I've written some pretty expletive-laden posts in the past asking for you guys to calm me down on Jerry Judy. You could never do it. Now here we are. He's on the field at camp, and every person with a mic in their face is making it worse. I don't think I'll be able to handle him not being outrageously good on game day. So I honestly can't remember a rookie getting as much praise as J.J. out of camp, ever. Am I right on that? Not Vaughn, not Chubb, not to this extent anyway. Who's last offensive rookie to get this much hype for the Broncos? Uh, to be honest, Zach, I think it was Cortland Sutton. Like, do you remember what he was doing with Case Keenum in that first camp? It was every day he was just mossing fools left and right. Yeah, he he really was. But Ryan, I
2: don't even think that praise is coming to what Jerry Judy's been doing. Especially, we're talking eight-year, ten-year vets on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, those, that's a different type of praise. Uh, but I do remember, say, uh, you know, Chris Harris saying like, "We got him in the." In the second round, he should have been a top ten pick talking of Cortland Sutton. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. He goes on and says, uh, speaking of wide receiver hype, what's happening with rugs? Is he getting the same sort of hype? Thank you for the coverage, Gents. I now no longer listen to the pod. I watch it, mainly because Zach shirts and get up is pretty loud, but not loud enough through the mic yet. But you keep it uh you keep at it, lad. One day your fashion will manifest itself and sound into our ears. I can't wait.
2: <laughs> well, I hope you are listening to the pod now to get your question answered. Um and Rugs, Ryan, I haven't heard anything. I imagine just all the praise coming from Jerry Judy that people out in Las Vegas are hearing the things
0: about Jerry Judy. I'm not hearing anything about Rugs. Yeah, there's so much hype about Jerry Judy that all of the hype around Henry is getting swept under the rugs.
2: <laughs> oh wow. Impressive. Uh, we got Broncos only chiming in. Why are you guys, Mason in particular, so concerned about Driscoll's subpar play at quarterback? Wouldn't we pretty much be screwed or be expect to be screwed anyway if Locke goes down for any significant amount of time? Also, please elaborate on the incident you keep referring to lately about Kevin Hogan getting Theo Riddick hurt last year. Thanks for the great coverage, Broncos only.
0: Well, uh, I don't think I fall into that category of being overly concerned with, uh, with Jeff Driscoll. I will just say that you know we have to watch him when you know for at least one third of the reps, uh, and so he gets put under a spotlight in a way that he never will hopefully touch wood during the season. Um, so you know that's a better question for Mace. Um, he he is a he he's a big believer that it's important to have a good backup quarterback.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, it is now. If you miss Drew for two games, you're not screwed. You need some guy to come in and Brandon Allen you. Get you one and one, two and one, if he can pull that off um, and have a performance like Brandon Allen did his first game last year. But you're right. If you're going to miss Drew Locke, touch and wood for eight
0: games, it's over. realistically, it's over no matter who it is. And as for the Theo Riddick-Kevin Hogan play, uh, in the Hall of Fame game, I believe it was, um, Kevin Hogan threw one high and outside for Theo Riddick, who reached up to get it. He got took a helmet under, uh, you know, in the side, and that was it for him. Yep, yep, exactly.
2: IG Bronco Sensei, your is how a lot of friends greet each other where I grew up. Considering I listen to you all talk so much, I consider us friends. So <laughs> I hope all is well. My question is about the eye test. Who would you give the highest eye test grade to? Does anyone out there look like a man amongst boys? Keep up the hard work, fellas. Sensei speaks.
0: Well, uh, how about Natani Muti, Zach?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, man, he, he looks like that second round type of guard, doesn't he?
0: He does. He looks like a beast. And the other one, who uh, you know, there's the obvious eye test. Cortland Sutton passes the eye test. Melvin Gordon passes the eye test. The one that just I just wasn't expecting, and I mentioned this the other day, that really passed the eye test to me was Nick Bannett. Right, yeah.
2: He really does look like a monster. And uh, in the concussion protocol, so some other guys will have to step up. You hope that Jake Butt passes the eye test these next couple of days.
0: Absolutely. Next one from Dan Burke. It's Wednesday, so we're going to get mad. And today we're mad at Mr. Connor McGovern. Not really, but you know. He had a presser with the Jets, and he said – And bear in mind that he's been working in person with his teammates for two weeks. That the unity on the Jets O-line is the best he's ever been around. He also said that the Jets offense is the closest they've ever been around and that they're not clicky, blah, 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 blah. This is what everyone says about everyone. Whenever they go to a new place, it's what they say. This that. The other thing, it's all just garbage. I've got nothing else for you on that.
2: Yeah, and I'm not going to disagree with you, Ryan. Of course, it would be... It would be crazy if Chris Harris went to uh, the Chargers and said, yeah, this group really doesn't stack up to what we had last year. I'm a little disappointed.
0: Connor McGovern's like, look, you know, it's, it's nice being here and all, but man – The unity on that Broncos offensive line, that was way better than what we've got here in New York. Uh, For some reason, there's all these clicks out here. I don't know what's going on out here.
2: Yeah, maybe the fact that he brought up clicks means that there actually are clicks.
0: Yeah, maybe. He finishes my thing also, just a general comment. Remember last year when the Broncos were doing joint practices with the 49ers and their Foghorn, and the 49ers specifically the defense were much more fired up than Vick's Broncos, and it showed on the field. Were y'all surprised that they made the Super Bowl after what y'all saw, and is this current Broncos defense showing similar levels of intensity?
2: That was, that was like a Kyle Shanahan thing. I don't think that was their defense itself. Kyle Shanahan pumped those guys up and. I haven't seen that, but it's, it's just a different approach to practice.
0: Yeah, man, I'll never be able to look at if practice is the same ever since uh, ever since you saw Kyle Shanahan walk out there, you know with the boom box, get his guys fired up get everyone riled up, and then they just went out there and smacked the Broncos around. Uh, like every Vic Fangio practice now seems like it's in slow motion ever since I saw uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers <laughs> practice.
2: Seriously. Dan Burke also comments again and says, Sorry for the double comment, but I know y'all saw Calvin Anderson go viral with his double-blocking video. The, the shh emoji. <laughs> 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 yeah maybe he'll get a shot at right tackle but so far jake rogers and uh elijah wilkinson
0: the double block was impressive yes I'll give it him that.
2: Definitely, definitely was It's smart to use his platform uh to spread the word
0: about calvin yes absolutely spread the word about calvin anderson or maybe don't because i thought he doesn't want us to talk to talk about <laughs> him but maybe i'm just getting confused of course Head over to dnvrgolf.com to download the WGT app. It is your go-to golf app. It's so much fun. It's the greatest in the world, and it's it's just the best. So when you go over to dnvrgolf.com, download the app. Make sure you join the DNVR 3 Country Club so you can get in on our weekly tournaments. It's such a blast. You can play with all the clubs that you've probably dreamed of having, get your guy all decked out, and then you can go compete in the weekend tournaments with your fellow DNVR families. It's, it's quite a good time. So go over to DNVRcolf.com, download WGT today.
2: Ryan, kind of like Calvin Anderson, you're not sure if you should talk about him, if you shouldn't talk about him. Manscaping has kind of always been a little taboo. People aren't sure. Should they talk about it? Should they not talk about it? But here, you definitely know you should talk about it because we want to make sure that you're getting the best products, just like Calvin Anderson. If he's the best right tackle, we should be talking about him. But I know manscaping products, Lawnmower 3.0 is the best product. So that's why we need to talk about it. Spread the good word because the Lawnmower 3.0 really is the best product out there for any manscaping needs that you need. It has an LED light, it's waterproof, it has a 90 minute battery life. You can shave in a dark shower, you could shave, uh, I guess, in a desert because of that battery life. Anywhere you want it, the lawnmower 3.0 comes in handy. And also, make sure to get the perfect package 3.0, which you get that lawnmower 3.0. You also get the crop preserver and the crop reviver, something that you would need at training camp or in a desert. Uh, anywhere you are, those products come in very, very handy. And, guys, if you use that magical code DNVR20 at manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. So, check them out manscaped.com. Smash that code DNVR20.
0: I got the old scaper out today. And man, the lawnmower 3.0 never lets you down. All right, from Bronco Turf. Hey, guys, been a, been a while. Glad to be back. Two questions. Is it me or has it been dangerously quiet on the Bulls front so far this camp? Like almost nothing good or bad, which I guess is good. What have you guys seen so far? Should we be encouraged? And second, with no preseason, Vic has offered up how he plans to get a game-type look. at the. Has he uh, offered up how he plans to get a game-type look at the back half of the roster? Thanks. Always listening. Uh, yeah, he mentioned that he wants to go live uh, a little more in the, in the second half of, of training camp so they can get those types of looks at guys. And as for Bowles, the less you hear his name, the better. 100% like no if ands or buts about it the less you talk about Garrett Bowles the better and to, to be honest I will say this I think he's benefiting a little bit from that right side of the line being so porous uh that it's just you know the focus is all over there
2: yeah you nailed it Elijah Wilkinson's getting all the attention on the right side Bowles has been better than the right side but I don't want to say he's been perfect um but better than the right side uh, I guess is good
0: that is good, uh, you know, and and, it, and to be honest, it's it's better than just better than the right side. Like we're just not saying his name that often in terms of him, you know, uh, having big negative plays. Right, exactly. The
2: big T chimes in. Yo, fellas, is there any indication that Bradley Chubb isn't 100% healthy? No knee braces, or limping, or tentative on certain plays, etc.? Also, and by some distance, this is my shortest post ever. Surely I deserve a round of applause. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Peace out, the big T. Um, no, I, I have no reason to believe that Bradley Chubb isn't healthy. He got an off day today. Just a normal rest day. Vic said he was ready to go, but Vic decided to hold him out. I'm all for this plan. Bradley Chubb's if if Bradley Chubb is ready to go or Bradley Chubb will be ready to go by week one. I don't need him practicing every single day. Give him every fifth day off. Give him every third day off. I don't care.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing though is he is going to wear a knee brace, so that's just something you have to get used to. And I think it's a smart move. Yeah. From just hold the water. Hi, DNVR. Uh, I've been living in my DraftKings Sportsbook app and have discovered the art of parlays. Well, I'll, uh, I'll say a prayer for you. Be careful with the parlays. Anyway, I'm still extremely concerned about the offensive line. Do you guys have anything on a positive side about the offensive line? Despite the fact that Cushionberry and Dotson are not in the starting lineup yet, we can only go as far as our weakest link. Also, do you think it would be better for our D-line to abuse the offensive line until they're finally tired of living in a world to suck? Thanks, guys. Go Broncos, Avs, Nuggets, and Phils.
2: I don't think the defensive line should be easy against the offensive line because I want the the defensive line to force changes. If changes need to be be made. The Broncos don't get to go up against an easy defensive line in the AFC West. They got to go up against Chris Jones. Uh, they got to go up against the Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa's of the world. So they got to be ready for that. And if Elijah can't hold his own or Garrett can't hold his own, then uh, you need to see DeMar Dotson's, Calvin Anderson's get their chance to see if they can do better.
0: Absolutely. Black Belt Bronco fan. G'day, gents. Yesterday's conversation about uh, counting to taunt Donovan Mitchell reminds me of going to visit a friend in Tucson to watch U of A hockey games in the mid-90s. They had a tradition of waiting until a score was announced, goal by so until so 130 or some such, and laid into the goalie with, he shoots, he scores, hey goalie, you suck which usually lasted until after the next face-off. Pretty normal stuff, except one memorable night when Ice Cat scored again, right as we were yelling, you suck, taunting can be magical. BBBF in AZ. <laughs> oh, man, taunting can be magical. <laughs> I love <laughs> I just love the idea of fans getting like making their impact felt on a game and I think taunting is one of the ways they can do that. Oh without a doubt. Jay Harrison 16. All this
2: Jay Cutler talk. Didn't he smoke cigarettes? I only <laughs> ask because it reminded me of last year's pod when you guys were talking about Joe Flacco vaping. <laughs> do me <some laughs> do very many football players smoke or vape? Nicoret- or Nicotine, of course, but all rules different in terms of the substance policy in states where marijuana is legal?
0: Uh, I don't know of any guys who smoke. I think smoking Jay was like a joke, um, <laughs> although it wouldn't have surprised me if he smoked cigarettes. I think he was more into a different substance that you might have mentioned there at the second half of things. Um, as for nicotine, though, yeah, I mean, guys, uh, a lot of these guys love to chew, so... Uh, that is more common than cigarettes. I don't think I've ever seen one of them smoke cigarette Man, I definitely thought smoking Jay was a
2: joke. If that was real, then uh, I guess it explains a lot about his career.
0: All right, a long one here from LDJ. So, this isn't We Get Mad Wednesdays. Well, if I got something to get mad about, dear fantasy world, stop sleeping on the Broncos. You do it every year, every freaking year. In 2018, Emmanuel was having an incredible camp, and I see him ranked 25. Before he tore his ACL, that was the year he was wide receiver 7. You're ignoring Drew Locke and all these weapons as a sleeper QB stash, but we're keep, but we're bigging up Daniel Jones? Seriously? Cortland is a top 10 wide receiver or top 8 wide receiver in the NFL on a ton of NFL analyst minds, from Nate Burleson to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks to TFF to PFF to around the NFL podcast and NBC Sports with Chris Sims and Bleacher Report. But they have him as a wide receiver 22 in fantasy. Seriously? He's not top 20, but DJ Chark and DJ Moore are. And they keep talking about his target share. We're three days in with pads, and it looks like the court's getting 60% or more of the targets, etc., etc., etc. He talks a lot more about fantasy. Zach, where does Cortland Sutton deserve to be in the fantasy football wide receiver conversation?
2: Oh, he deserves to be in the in the top ten, especially with where he's uh, how much Drew Locke's looking at him. LDJ makes a good point there, but LDJ, this is actually something where shh, don't don't say it too loud because don't you want to grab Cortland in like the the third round for your fantasy draft? Uh, you know, take advantage of these guys sleep, sleeping on some of the Broncos.
0: It's true, although no one in any league I've ever been in sleeps on the Broncos. They're going to have Jerry Judy going in the second round and all sorts of other wild things going on like that. Honestly, Ryan, thanks to us. We we ruined it. Yeah, we did. It's our fault.
2: (laughs) Last one here
0: (laughs) comes in from the Vonster Returns. Hey, guys, I just subscribed today. We got him. I know that everyone is really excited about our high draft picks, but I was also really excited about the Broncos drafting Derek Tuska. I was wondering if he was looking better than a seventh-round draft pick or if he's destined to barely make the practice squad, love the podcast, and keep the great information coming.
2: Yeah, I've liked what I've seen from him coming uh, coming against the third team. Uh, we just will need to see more. I, I hope he gets some second-team reps uh, or a lot of second-team reps, see how he compares to uh, the Malik Reeds of the world as well. Uh, but I have liked what I've seen from him so far.
0: Yeah, and he looks like a grinder. uh, And that can bring you far in the NFL world. All right, Zach. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on today's edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks, you guys. Uh, And thanks to everyone who gave us a review. We finally got the reviews flowing again. We really appreciate it when you guys go and and review us on iTunes and otherwise. Uh, We appreciate you guys who who tuned in with us live and then went to the podcast. You're like doubly valuable. So we appreciate you so much. Uh, And if you are tuning in live, Might we recommend going over to our YouTube channel, hitting subscribe, hitting us with a thumbs up on our videos. Uh, They really help us get found by new people so we can grow the DNVR family. But for today, uh, we're going to finish with a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group, best damn family owned dentist group in the metro area and their extreme Colorado sports fans. So uh, go support them and get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's a great setup over there. Uh, and uh, you might have something in common with, with the people over there because they're big Colorado sports fans too. So hit up Green Mountain Dental Group and get that free Sonic Air toothbrush. For today, that wraps it up for us. Zach, great to talk to you, my man, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.